0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Personalization Outbreak Podcast, your go to podcast for meaningful conversations with influential leaders from different sectors every week. All episodes are available at ageofpersonalization.com, where you will find more content about leadership, strategy, and innovation. So if you relate to our content, please join our movement and help us spread the word. Hit the like button below. Share it with colleagues and subscribe to our YouTube channel and social media platforms at Glenn Yopis so you can be in touch with the most recent content about leadership in the age of personalization. Now, this week, our guest is the Executive Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer for Chico's FAS, an omni-channel retailer of clothing brands, including Chico's, White House Black Market, and Soma, with 1,400 stores throughout the United States and Canada, and a franchise in Mexico. Now, her name is Kristen Winner, and during our LAOP consortium meetings, we like to refer to her as the harmonious solver, as her leadership is focused on being consistently authentic and mindful of others, whether she is directly responsible for them or not. Now, today, we'll talk about the evolving role of CHROs that are changing from being traditionally siloed managers within the organization to indispensable community builders that should be responsible for implementing inclusion as a growth strategy in a world that is craving more unity. Let's get started. Welcome to the show today. Thank you.
1: I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Well, of course, of course. Well, it leads me to the first question. The the mystery question is this. Now, I want to repeat this, that if your leadership is focused on being consistently authentic and connecting the dots and being mindful of others, whether you're directly responsible for them or not. Why are people craving unity? People are craving unity right now, Kristen, but they're afraid to share what's required for us to
2: unite. How do you react to that statement?
0: In fact, fact, as you're taking a breath and thinking about this, let let me elaborate a little bit more for you during these times of uncertainty, during these times where we're all reinventing ourselves, uh, it's become clear that most people, I'm gonna say most because I can't unequivocally say all, it's all about what's in it for them at a time when it's about, should be at least, for the betterment of a healthier whole. So again, if people are craving unity, why aren't they willing to share what's required for us to unite? I mean, you're the harmonious solver. What do you think?
2: I think there's I think there's a couple layers to that. But you know, one thing is
1: this year and right now, um, some of the challenges in front of us have made us um, I feel insecure. So I think the natural part is where someone would go inside to say, first I need to take care of myself because. I have so much on my mind, or I'm trying to figure it all out. And so let me take care of myself. But I think through this pandemic and through uh, the world of work today and, and in community, now we're also saying, how can I help others? Which then does unite us. Because I do find that what when people, and myself included, have had a chance to help solve for others, it also helps increase our own um, unity, self of belonging. How we help each other, and so I I do like to um, solve outside of my I would say wheelhouse or just my own issues. I think when we reach out and show others what right looks like outside of what's in it for us, you are actually um, extending an opportunity for someone
2: to first gain from it, but also learn from it, and then I think people pay it forward.
0: So, Kristen, <laughs> I heard a few things here, and. Of course, Scott, you could jump in early. Uh, I'd, not, I'd encourage it because this is such an interesting question, I think. But what I heard you say is that it's insecurities that don't drive us to share what's required for us to unite. But yet, if we think about others in pursuit of what's right for the healthier whole, it actually helps solve for our insecurities. So then why are we letting go? What do you think, Kristen? Well, and, 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 and by the way, excuse me, this is what I believe is happening, not just in society, so in the workplace. So maybe you can give us some context based mm-hmm. upon what you're seeing as the CHRO. Well, I think even in the
1: workplace, if you think about it, um, we've talked about uh, this concept before, but even in the world of working, which I sit, the customer is always at the center always has been at the center. But in the previous world, I would say the predictiveness has been we've decided what the customer would want. Today, the customer is deciding what is what she wants. And so the predictiveness has switched to where the customer actually solves for the answer. And so I think that's also with people. People are are at the center. So they're they're sharing with other people what they need out of a relationship, what they need in their community what they need in their organization. And so I think with that openness of people trusting, which I think it, it, there's a fundamental ground here where you have to have trust, extending trust and then um, you know, giving trust and extending it this, you know, I think that's what I think that's what is kind of coming together through this. So, you know, for what that's worth, I think every conversation is an opportunity to build or break trust. And so I think as the foundation of trust is extending, um, it's kind of nice because we're actually looking at people as individuals today. And I think that's where the, the root of the customer is too. What did, for us in business, what does she want? How does she feel? How does she want to wear it? Where does she want to shop? Does she do? We know her, it's personal, it's a relationship. It's not just
2: beautiful clothes that we provide her with. It's a relationship we have with her. And I think that that's fundamentally different. Kristen, what is trust? Um, you know, that's a really hard question. From I to me,
1: um, it's. I think it's doing what you say you're going to do. It's allowing you to bring your whole self and not judge for what you have or hear. Um, I think you have to be patient and listen um, and allow people to be their whole self, their whole individual self, and Let that be okay. And when people know that's okay and you can work through conversations like that, I think trust builds. Um, And so I think then fear diminishes. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And, you know, like you talk about, when before, and I've said it before when we've talked, is I, I really like the representation where you say, We're all like pieces of this beautiful mosaic, and I'm a tile, and you're a tile, and Scott's a tile. You put all those tiles together and you build this magic of something beautiful. And I think that's where if you allow people to be themselves and feel a sense of belonging, you come to the center for the what you're solving for. And for this might be the picture of the
2: mosaic. Mm. Um, It's just a visual representation, I think, of if you allow that to happen, I think trust trust builds. So Kristen. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about employee centricity for a moment. And so I think every organization right now unequivocally is uh, is trying to, to to understand what centricity means of
0: the individual, uh, and it's a big issue because this uh, has to do with well-being. It has to do with um, the totality of the employee experience. It has to do with trust. It has to do with individual contribution. We can go on and on, but is do you think that we could actually define what centricity is or is that something that has to
2: happen organically? I think when
1: you um, when we look at the associate or the employee at the center, so I think centricity is a word that would say some, I would think, collaboration
2: or momentum around the employee, around the center. Um, it, it takes thinking different. And, and with that, it's really
1: looking at the individuals in the organization and allowing them to bring what they saw for, what they're best at, and what they need out of the relationship. And the relationship of, in this uh, example would be, what do they need out of the relationship for work? What do we provide? where they can bring their best. And in return, when all can bring their best, the whole business moves in the right direction. So it's, it's conceptual, but I think it's, a, it's an interesting way to think about it, but it takes, it takes effort. And um, I think one needs to slow down for a minute to get to know people in order to speed up. And I know that's challenging today in a world where speed is at the center of everything that we're trying to accomplish.
0: I'd like for you to give, you, give me your reactions to, to the following uh, quick story I'm going to share. So um, I'm part of this, uh, this board for this uh, private, in, private institution, the school, uh, private institution. And one of the recommendations from a parent, um, in fact, it was a comment and then turned into this incredible recommendation was, do we know the skills and capabilities
2: of the parents the the
0: parents of the students do we have an inventory of all the skills and capacities that of the parents not the student
2: the parents and I shared this
0: comment and and, and I love again I'm gonna get to this finish this off is it it made me realize that At a time, the times that we're living right now, this where we're experiencing the the traumatic extremes uh, against these forces of standardization and personalization. Wouldn't it be wise of us to take an inventory of what each person's skills and capabilities are, at least the ones that they say that they have? not the ones that their resumes say, or the ones that we now perceive that they have because they've worked for the organization for such a long time. What, what, what are you thinking about when I, when I just share that story and those thoughts?
1: Well, first, I think uh, what an amazing concept from the school uh, or the parent, because, again, it just makes you shift your mind. Do we ask? Do we even ask? And so when we ask and ask for feedback, ask for insight, then you actually know all of the, um, I would say, menu of options that you have in which you can pull from to solve for what you're solving for. When, so I think it's a, I think it's a great topic actually. And in an organization, I think that takes um, focus to do it. Your point, just something as simple as that. Asking people, when you know what they're good at solving for, regardless of their job title or where they sit from, they can bring that to the center. And that sort of kind of goes back to what you were talking about in the beginning. I might sit in a role, but I contribute in many other ways. As do my counterparts across the organization, because we trust each other. We trust each other. So I they play in my wheelhouse, and I actually like it. There's still a decision maker in it, but all the ideas of people who have different skill sets that can bring it to the middle for um, the essential game of what we're solving for is so, um, so beneficial. So I think the concept's excellent and it makes me think, I wonder if I've done a good enough job of really asking that in our organization. So, you know, that's a tip and I'm so grateful that you shared it because now I might be able to do something with it. Well,
0: here's (laughs) why I shared it. And I'm going advanced with you, Kristen, because you are you are so good at what you do. In fact, we'll talk a little bit later about uh, your vision for what the CHRO function uh, must become and how it can get there. Um, But see, what I shared is a, a is an example that oftentimes because we try to standardize everything. That we say the word centricity that the individuals in the middle and it almost feels forced because a lot of people don't know what that might mean or how that actually plays out or how it's operationalized and measured. But the reason that you reacted, I think uh, the way you did is because rather than force the the standard, I actually shared a story that actually gets you to feed into the standard. You see that Mm -hmm. you actually fed into something that you felt was the embodiment of individual centricity that we don't know what centricity can be until we know using your words, the menu of options that we have to allow people to influence at their greatest levels of, You know, at their at their greatest levels of potential, because we don't even know what centricity really means until we know who the individuals are that will define what centricity should mean for us. And I don't think it's an end game. Centricity is a journey. I don't don't
1: think it's a destination. And so uh, I don't know if you ever get there. I think it's just because people are unique and in an organization, they will come and go. And so it's a continuum flow. So you have to pay attention to and listen and share one, have enough trust where people can bring forward what they are good at, what they do wanna do, um, how they can contribute, and then utilize it. Um, and that does take, um, again, standardization has its place, but I think it
2: allows the personalization to, to really play um, in the world of work. But
3: you have to have an openness. Good. Can, can I just step in? Because this centricity, right, it's, it's one of our key points. This is one of the things that we've been thinking about all along, and especially in this season. That's something that we want to actually come back to over and over again in as many different ways as possible. And Kristen, thank you so much for adding a new layer to that. Because what I just saw happen here is you operationalize uh, centricity. And we know that this is important not just for 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 essentially uh, consumer uh, consumer businesses, but also for higher ed, uh, also for for healthcare. But centricity, what you're telling us is, think of it in other ways too. It doesn't mean that we can't think of it the way we've been thinking about it. But what you're the way you model centricity, or at least doing centricity, is you use it as an ethos, not a strategy.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You use it as a value, not a mm-hmm. strategy. So so centricity isn't driving you to basically create checklists of, have I been centric enough or have I been customer centric enough? Because um, you're never centric, customer centric enough is what you're saying, because centricity is about a relationship of asking. It's a relationship constantly of inquiry and of feedback. It's, it's a connection that is not static. And so I'll close this little mini comment with just a thought uh, and a question for, for, from an HR expert like yourself. When we actually think of looking across maybe our employees or our network, and we start thinking, "I like this idea, Glenn. Like, what are what is the menu?" Um, I would like to to kind of play with that metaphor of the menu and our sort of list of skills. And I'd like to remember the one thing that we always tend to forget because we're afraid of mortality, and that is the impermanence of everything, including our current skill set, including our current ethos, our current outlook. And so, whatever we do, and when we essentially understand where the skills and the outlooks are for our entire team, right at this point of in mo- this moment, it's going to be different tomorrow slightly. And and if we are doing our jobs as leaders and as as people that are part of this team of building, building others, right, of um, helping to build others, we don't. We definitely want to make sure that that skill set. And every time somebody puts a skill to me, to you, to anybody, has a major asterisks. That says this is a contingent truth that will be built upon because our system is invested in making you even bigger and more than what you say today. Anyway, what do you think about that in terms of the the, how we misinterpret static skill sets and orientations and essentially reify them to the point where once we actually activate them as administrators or leaders, we're actually administering to ghosts because that doesn't exist anymore. We're, We're in a whole new layer. What do you think?
1: I think you, I think you're so interesting is what I really think. But what I would say to that is um, we are, uh, you know, the world isn't static. People aren't static. And so we are, as I always say, I'm, you know, we're, I'm as good as my last day. So let's keep moving. I have, it's continuous learning process. So um, today, yes, I think we have to know what are our skill sets and then try to pay attention to what's coming into the future. Although we're not, we can't always tell the future. Um, so that we continue to build it, also sharing knowledge, sharing with others. But just as we've done here, your idea sparks an idea in myself. Then I think about something different, and then I share an idea with Glenn, and then he sparks an idea in him. And so even that sharing part allows us all to rise. The tide all rises when we're um, when we have enough respect and trust to share in a conversation, share our expertise. That's what you know I say here, share the knowledge. Share your information because it only helps someone else grow, which then in turn helps you grow. And so I think it's all part of that leaving a legacy, getting us to go forward. Um, And in our world, you know, to your point, Scott, I think you bring up like, it's that community part. And so we say, you know, we wanna be part of something. We wanna be part of something that we believe in. And then that gives us energy to wanna work harder and do it better. And so whether it's your workplace that your community or communities within your workplace, something that you believe in and feel a sense of belonging, or your actual local community, or national community, or you know, I think those those parts spark us individually, which then I think makes us want to be better, share with others, um, and then again, I just think that's a little contagious.
3: Love it, and, and Glenn, it goes back to your whole thing about growing, right? It's about we have to sow and grow. We have to leave the space for the grow. So when we're doing these skill sets assessments, man, let's I, I love your ethos of the sow and grow. Let's let's sow and grow by not having a static list of resources and skills
0: let's do that right now. Okay. Kristen, how do we transform the role of the CHRO? Because, you know, let me see if I can help tee this up. You don't have to agree with it, but I think you both are talking about it, that. You know, we've, again, and I'm trying to be mindful of our listeners and, and fellow uh, HR practitioners or HR professionals, as I've, you know, we've heard for years, but Isn't the role of the CHRO, the Chief Human Resources Officer, one that needs to become a community builder and silo buster? I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about people. And corporate strategies weren't designed to serve the mass variances of people. And so here we are in the face of the pandemic, trying to figure out what it's going to look like on the other end. I mean, silos can't exist much longer, and yet the CHROs in many ways have lived within their own silo, but now you need to become community builders. What do you think about the future of CHROs, Kristen?
1: You know, I, I think you bring up a really good point, and I, um, we are responsible for cultivating an environment where people feel a sense of belonging. And so I like to use the word community because people can tend to get their head around that but it's not just sitting in what I'm gonna call human capital, or yes, we have to determine how we mobilize our human capital to, um, to work towards accomplishing the strategic objectives of
2: the company. Absolutely. And all the parts that feed into that for human resources. However, you really need to, uh, I would
1: say, I call it the concept of the power of and. You, we need to know our businesses. You have to be an executive first. You need to understand your business end to end, front to back. And then you need to understand how uh, all, all of the things fit into the part. So I say it and, like I look at the business, the business we sit in. Then I look at the human resources part of it that, I'm, that can, has a complement to serving the business. But then I look at the data and the analytics so that I can make better decisions. So there's so many ands to the part. Um, but it all wraps around the community and sense of belonging. But you have to still pay attention to all that, I would say, the analytic part of your business, the strategic part of your business, the, um, the inputs and outputs of your business that aren't just human capital to really make better decisions so that you can see some of the see around your corners a little to make sure that you really are thinking about ways in which you can influence and enhance the community of people and their um, skill sets, what they want to belong to, how they want to play in that.
2: To serve the overall part. So, if that, uh, I don't know if that's confusing, Glenn, or if it
0: makes sense. No, not at all. In fact, let, let, let's, 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 let's make this a CHRO whiteboard session right now yeah. of the future. So, here we go. So, what, what I'm seeing here, or listening to as I listen to you, Kristen, is that um, the CHRO of the future is going to be, well, which is really now and into the future. Uh, needs to be the one to help create a community of of eight, of leaders who also assume the role of hr um, uh, of human resource in other words not everything can be done in the hr department with now in this age of personalization every func- functional leader department head all they do is deal with people every day So are we equipping all the different departments within an organization to understand the individual, to train the individual, to get the most out of each individual's potential based on not only that functional role, but how it interconnects with other functions that it's dependent upon. Because see in the past that used to be part of what HR should have been doing and then, of course, we have signed these HR leaders to functional roles, but I don't know if that's enough. I, what I'm seeing is that functional leaders within an organization are becoming the CHROs for those functions. So I actually see this whole new uh, sense of HR leadership communities that are forming within an enterprise that the chro should in should be should be helping to mobilize to get the most out of their people to create interconnectivity and interdependence across the organization so that we're doing what goes back to the to the beginning of this podcast we're we're organically creating people centricity what do you think
1: i think that um that is what I want to be a part of. And that is what I'm a part of. And leaders, we own it. We, uh, I think we have the accountability to it. Um, and as a, as a CHRO myself, again, uh, sharing, teaching, mobilizing. Again, it's, it is, um it is crossing over. It's, it's me taking ownership to make sure that I understand the business. So that. And then having a partner that we can have conversations with and trust so I can, again, impart things that I might be stronger at on the leadership side. And so, and then they share with me, I'll ask questions when I don't know. I don't know everything. So I'll ask questions to my partners who are um, strong in the business uh, sense to make sure that I understand. So it's a nice relationship and crossover. And yes, we're absolutely responsible for mobilizing it. It's also why I actually love being a part of this consortium because we have leaders from all industries, from education, from business, from different industries. Um, they're not all CHROs, but I can, I, I've had some fantastic uh, conversations with business leaders who are, that have, understand the human resources aspect of moving their business within their companies. And so I think that's the part of the mobilization, Glenn, that I am uh, committed to
0: uh, and excited about. And for our listeners, uh, Kristen's referring to the Leadership in the Age of Personalization Consortium, and you could learn more about that at ageofpersonalization.com. Uh, Scott, uh, what are you feeling right now, Scott? Tell me what 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 the anthropologists from within. How are you seeing the future of the CHRO?
3: Um, I think. I, Kristen, you helped me to see it a little bit more clearly. Um, and I think it goes back to your original comment where you're saying uh, essentially your own approach to the job, which is um, essentially you're in somebody's corner and you're there to help them with the solve, even if they're not in your garden, even if they're not in your part of the garden or the operation. And that's why you talked about needing to kind of uh, not just know HR, but right, you said HR, yeah, we are the lead community builders. And I really love that metaphor, Glenn. I think that you're spot on with thinking of of that and building that that concept of of this of the the of, of just the HR division in general, let alone the leader of it, as a lead community builder. But what, what Krista did instantly, right, is say, yeah, but right? And and no, she doesn't do buts, she does ands, right? She said, Yeah, and and we also need to know the entire operation. Because by knowing the entire operation, um She's helping the other. She's helping to solve things that are connected to her, but maybe not in her purview. And I think that that ethos, the, the, the know your garden, but you damn well better be taken care of and doing whatever you can to help out every single garden around you, because together um, that, that the, all of these collective gardens are the ecosystem that is your company, that is your essentially success individually and collectively. I'll have another idea to kind of wrap up. I'm kind of boiling it up right now, but I'm seeing another amazing case study here, Glenn. <laughs> so so
0: let, let, let me, this is interesting. So, Kristen, a couple of big, bold declarations and opportunities came out of the 2020 summit uh, last October. But see, you just defined as the harmonious unifier How we can solve through looking at the CHRO as this community builder to solve a couple of things. One was employees are are not operating at their full potential, right? They would rather play it safe and be what the organization wants them to be rather than what they seek to be themselves. As a more community-minded leader across the institution, how do we solve for that statement? Yeah, I think... I think on a few
2: different um, moments on that. One is, uh,
1: are you listening to what they actually want to do and what they can contribute to? So for getting, providing feedback, making sure you're looking at their whole self. Um, again, it's not just work, work, work. I mean, work's important for sure, but you know, you, you have to care about them. They need to know you care, um, we care. And so, You know, we care about you and not just for uh, the work that in which we need you to provide. We care about your whole self. We care about your family. We care about your health. You know, uh, we care about what's important to you. We care about what do you want to get involved in here? How do we build? How do we put people that have similarities with you together? What would you like to learn that's different that you want to get to know somebody about? So when you when you think about how you build around the person to what's important to the person, um uh, that's the community part but you have to put your headset into what's important to them versus always thinking what's important to me um and then as we know the interesting part about that is it ends up working better for yourself anyway in the end but that's not the reason you do it um and so it, it's i know it sounds a little you know general but if you really take the time to do that is what i'm seeing the synergy really take off And so when we slow down to really ask people uh, more about them, ask for understanding, ask them to share their perspective, solve for things that they're asking for, uh, um, taking their ideas and implementing them and giving them credit. Um, There's so many generous ideas with associates throughout this organization that have helped the organization propel forward. Um, And from the customer, frankly, um, the customers, though, um, I would say people are just energized and offering their own self, which then when you listen and really authentically listen and share in the relationship of conversation of that, that's where we're saying product is better, engagement is better, social is better, the community is better inside the company, outside the company.
2: Um, And then again, in the local community, So it is a bit of a flywheel, for lack of a better word, once it starts.
0: I I just, I'm trying to create some healthy pause right here. Okay, good. This is the line
2: of the year. Building
0: around the person. How do we build around the person in pursuit of the organization's goals and objectives? When it's historically been what? Build around the organization and then go find the people who can take care of the organization. And it's not that it has to be one or the other, right? We can find that healthy balance. But what you're talking about is building communities around what matters to the individual, let me let me give you a sense of just one comment here when i hear you say that i got chills because you know what i'm seeing more than ever today in this pursuit of change and transformation that leaders on top need to get more holistic perspective from others in the organization below uh, the c suite below even senior leadership to the people that touch the business and when they when they're getting these ideas, they're taking the credit and they're not sharing the credit or at least acknowledging where that was originated from. Remember earlier you talked about that this time has given us all a sense of insecurity? Mm-hmm. That's an example. We're, we're, our levels of insecurity are unknowingly showing up when we don't build around the individual. Because right now we're looking for answers. So I I, at any rate, maybe I'm going off topic here, but what do you think this is going now, Scott?
3: Um, I think let me let me take this to the from the HR office itself and the the executives concerned specifically with HR and then build that ethos that Kristen has has characterized and and modeled for us today into sort of essentially us humans, what we should be doing for each other, whether or not we're in HR or not, because all of us are in HR right? Whether it's our family, whether it's our friends or our communities or neighborhoods or whatnot. So let's, let's take some lessons from this, but first let's go straight to the HR. I, I, am seeing the pattern here, right? And ultimately what makes me so excited about your approach, Kristen, is you have no fear for something that a lot of people fear. And that is dissonance. That is things that are coming at you and coexisting at the same time. And you can take one, but you can't have the other. And in particular, you take it to the meta level And that is you solve a puzzle that corporations and individuals have been struggling with their entire in their entire existence and that is how do how am i a body and how am i a cell in particular what i mean is how am i a body i am a complete body i am an entity i'm sky i i have things that i want to share and do and see in the world and be in the world right But that said, I am a cell. I am a small part of a much bigger human family that does much bigger things than Scott can even imagine. And what a lot of times I see people doing is they basically categorize in a standardized way, right, Glenn? This is the time for the cell person. Now I'm going to be a cell. I'm going to be my complete me. I'm in a diversity meeting. I'm going to talk about my uniqueness. Oh, now I'm in a efficiency meeting with budget. Oh, Now I'm a cell. I'm a part of a body right? And we go back and forth and we think that we have to compartmentalize these. You refuse to do that. And one of the tricks I think that maybe other people can use in their own framing of understanding how they might experiment with this thing that comes quite natural to you, at least it appears as if it does, because it just flows out of pretty much everything you say, is pronoun control, right? Glenn, I'm always about the language. So today's language lesson, right, is pronoun control. And what, 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 what Kristen can help us understand is the power of understanding the I's and the we's and when we use those, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to look at my notes real quick because this is an important point here. Um, we can model the power of I only through the lens of we and vice versa. We can only model the power of the we by understanding the I's that make that up. And I know that's sort of tautological and it spins around, but it's very important. As an HR officer or as somebody that actually is a community builder for your family or for your hometown or wherever you are, perhaps the most important thing we can do is to stop using the pronoun I and force ourselves to only use we because it will slow us down, which Kristen said is an important part of the process of getting to connect and build trust. So slow it down and use we, and if it's uncomfortable to you, maybe realize that that uncomfortableness of framing what you're trying to do and get in the world outside of an iframe, right, is actually what I'm saying is make sure that what you're framing as within your iframe from your own point of view, maybe it doesn't really make sense for the we if you can't explain it in a we Paradigm. Anyway, thank you for the pronoun lesson that you gave to us without even thinking about it, Kirsten. I'm gonna stop because I went way too deep into the rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> How do you react to that, Kristen?
2: I think that the interesting part of, you know, when I listen to you is
1: it if you put that accountability to yourself from the
2: I perspective as you're incorporating others with the we mentality. It'll work, but we have to be part of the solve. And so it can't. It's very easy to identify a problem.
1: It's very easy to say what isn't working today. It's very easy to see all the issues. Anybody can find the problems. That's super easy. The the magic makers find the solutions. The magic makers want to get involved in the solution. They want to be part of the solution, and they want to take a partner and solve. They wanna um, tell somebody how they helped them. They want to celebrate others when they're part of the solve. That's, those are the leaders I, that's the leader I wanna be. That's the leader I wanna be with. That's what I hold myself to. Um, and that's what I wanna help infuse in the world today. Is what I would say is um, we have to be part of the solution. And I think we have an opportunity to do it. And I'm, I'm excited to be a part of that actually.
0: So doesn't this conversation, isn't it taking us down the path of that inclusion is a growth strategy? Isn't this what we're talking about here? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because the community builder is all about being inclusive, but they don't just aren't promoting inclusivity to feel as if they're at the table, as they say, but they're actually looking at the individual to be the mobilizer of growth. So isn't, are we concluding here that the CHRO of the future needs to be the one that propels inclusion as a growth strategy?
2: I, I'm a proponent of saying absolutely. It is absolutely <laughs> our responsibility. And So I think we need to look at
1: all the things in our toolkit and really think about how we can maximize that um, and do something with it, not just talk about it. Um, but I do believe inclusion is a growth strategy. When you look at it from the component of the community and the people, as individuals and what they can bring their whole self um, into into the workforce or you know whatever you're solving for. And my my example would be workforce. So, so tell it's us very how exciting.
0: Go ahead. So tell us how uh, you believe that Chico's practices inclusion.
1: Well, I think it comes from a a lot of things we talked about today. We take the moments to listen. We're asking for feedback. We ask for ideas. We implement the ideas. We celebrate those so people can see what right looks like. Um, How do you celebrate people that um, have the courage to come forward and talk about things? If somebody wants to express themselves, we allow an avenue for people to do that. Um, We allow people to share their perspectives, even if um, it might be uh, uncomfortable. We want people to be able to speak their truth. And I think that's important. We also, um, we listen. And so we listen to what people, what makes them feel part of the community. So we have people who want to do things together, like volunteering. So we put them together. Uh, we have, you know, people who reach out and, you know, they want personal or, or group coaching or counseling. We have a medical center site. In which we provide that for them, um, we provide tools and access for this remote work environment. Some people, you know, have said, you know, I really, um, you know, I feel like I'm connected into my organization, but there's some things I want to do in my health world. So we we have a free free gym, we have daycare on site for parents who need solutions. And so again, when you put the associate at the center, those are some things in which we do. But even deeper than that. We allow people to bring themselves and solve for many of the opportunities we have in our workforce. And I, I see that's exciting when people have a chance to be good at what they're doing and then be able to share their successes with others. Um, and again, idea sharing and collaboration. I think those are things that we try to do. So we don't, it's not a one-size-fits-all for inclusiveness at Chico's. It is. Um, It is listening and then personalizing it a bit to what's the experience to that associate, regardless of where they sit, we're all in different parts from the team here. We don't all sit in the same seat. And so not, it is not a one size fits all. So we have many different things that we want people to play and engage um, in ways that are the most meaningful to them.
0: What do you, as we can, as we get, start to wrap this up, Kristen, what do you, tell a CHRO that is having a tough time right
2: now? Well, I think that one is, um, think about what you're trying to solve for. I think it's always important to take a step back. Um, Sometimes it can be
1: overwhelming if you're not really clear on what you're trying to accomplish. The second I would say is um, call me because I'd like to help you.
2: And I'm not sure I
1: could, but I'd like to. Um, but I think that's part of the community. There's always someone to help. So don't feel like you have to solve everything on your own. You don't have to have all of the answers. There is there is a lot of people who are trying to solve for the same things in the world today. And even though we work in different companies and might be competitors, you could still share a lot of ideas to help people get better without, you know, in, impeding on the competitiveness. I think we're stronger together as a, you know, we're stronger together as people, helping different, uh, helping us all, again, all rise, whether you're in education or different companies or, um, you know, in our community, I think we need to, I think it's time for us to share our knowledge and help others get to where we have been. And maybe they can get there a little faster than maybe we had the opportunity to, because maybe we didn't have the right mentorship or community for ourselves. And I think right now, I think, we should link into our community. So I would encourage any CHRO or person and human resources to really open their mind on who their community really could be.
0: So, first of all, uh, you have been everything that we talked about from the beginning. Uh, authentic, trustworthy, uh, wanting to mobilize people, whether there are issues that are regarding what you're involved in or not. Um, and so you, you made a very generous offer, and, and I would just recommend to make this simple is uh, if you want to connect with Kristen, uh, you can find her on LinkedIn, and I would just send her a note that said that you are, heard her story on uh, leadership or on personalization outbreak uh, podcast. So, um, so Scott, how do, we, how do we put this in a bow today? What, what, what do people walk away with from Kristen's incredible knowledge and wisdom that she shared?
3: Um, the main point, I think, is species level thinking. You know, I, I rarely hear species level thinking in terms of HR discussions and, and, and some of the discussions that we've had the way that I hear it from you, Kristen. And, and with the species level thinking, what you're doing is you're not only, um, uh, from my view, you're not only empowering that body, that person, right, that's part of a bigger bigger thing, but you're actually, you're helping the, the whole, you're, you're helping the whole organization right um and by that i basically mean when i see you working in my mind what i see you is that you refuse to do what most of us think is the end game which is to meet people where they are (laughs) treat them as an individual recognize their uniqueness and meet them where you are the cool thing is that you're not into that static notion that illusion of here we are and here's where we will always be and here you are and here's where you will always be you seem to be pushing us and tell me yes or no are you telling us that instead of seeing people where they are and meeting them where they are to bring them into our org and to make a more efficient org, are you saying that we need to essentially see people where they want to be because i think that's where you're at i think you're seeing these employees and these associates as who they want to be where they want to be where they want to become as opposed to who they are at the moment, you recognize nobody is who they are at this moment. This is just a pulse check. And there's far more potentiality and possibility if we open up that framework to realize that who I am today is here, but it's growing if you just sow and grow like Len teaches us.
0: Well, and as Kristen teaches us, if we share. So...
2: (laughs) Kristen, what are your final comments? I would just say
1: this has been fantastic and so much fun to talk with both of you. Um, I think we have a, we're on a great journey. And I I think there's a lot for us all to contribute into uh, our world today. And so I am thrilled to be a part of it. And I hope that, you know, we could have a conversation down the road again and just show some of the movement that we've made and how we've contributed into building communities you know, wherever we're at, whatever seat we sit in. I just want to thank you both so much.
0: Of course, Kristen. Listen, you you, at the end and just to bring the intensity down a bit, um, Kristen is uh, very unique. And uh, what you hear is what you get. And um, I just, you know, encourage you to continue to be inspired by the words that Kristen shared with us today, because we all need to be harmonious unifiers. We all need to be community builders uh, at a time where, uh, we're operating at the extremes, the extremes of uh, the competing forces of standardization and personalization that shouldn't be competing, shouldn't be competing, but they are. So, uh, Kristen, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you for uh, how much you care. Uh, thank you for recognizing that uh, we are are all better when we have our mindset on the uh, for the betterment of a healthier whole. So. Uh, Thank you very much, Kristen. Really appreciate that. And as we end uh, every one of our podcasts, when you lead in the age of personalization, you will see things that others don't do what others won't and keep pushing when prudence says quit. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Kristen.
1: Thank you, too.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening to Personalization Outbreak. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. If you enjoyed the content, Visit ageofpersonalization.com to check out our free streaming video series and learn how to get involved in the movement. I'm Glenn Yopis. I wish you a good day and remember, without strategy, change is merely substitution, not evolution.